Let's pray. Y'all grab seats, gentlemen. Please help the ladies with the chairs. Father, thank you for this time and thank you for good fellowship. Uh, thank you for the seasonal change, as has been mentioned already this morning, that we look forward to fall. And yes, God, thank you for football. There's no doubt about that. God, thank you for these people that have come to kindly listen to me uh, this morning. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross this morning, Lord, and that you would be seen. God, I pray that your power would come on right now. And Lord, in my presentation, Father, my preparation would show. God, I pray that you would be honored and you would be glorified. Lord, I pray that you would be with my pastor as he stands and preaches. I pray that the music would be well, Lord, and I pray that just a piece of heaven, a drop of heaven, would come at Woodstock today, and Lord, people would come to know you, people would get right, people would have their eyes open to the truth. God, we thank you for this day, thank you for this group of people, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, someone has lost your child pass. Anybody? There we go. You didn't care anyway. One of the other moms would have picked you up. Yeah. All right. Y'all don't go, don't go fellowshipping again. It's over. Forget it. All right. We have, uh, listen now, we have uh, Love Loud. Mark your calendars, October 17th through the 19th. October 17th through the 19th. Say it with me. October 17th through the 19th. Amen. All right. So Mark will be letting us know. He's also open to any leader that would like to learn how to lead Love Loud. We would love to have you. Step up and help, and Mark maybe takes you to one of the projects and shows you how he does it. I don't know what he might do. He's great at it, but we're open to discipling someone to be a leader, okay? So if Lord lays this on your heart, it might just be one of the projects. We usually do a few because we have such a big class. Y'all are talking. All right. Yep, I believe, Mark, that is, the dates are right, right? That's a Friday through a Sunday, right? Is the 19th a Sunday? So should that be 18th, 16th through 18th? Okay, well, it should be 13th through Saturday. Okay. It is? Okay. You're looking at 2012. I'm, I'm kidding. So it's Thursday through Saturday, right? All right, so... Guys that haven't done this before, ladies, fellas, um, you can come. I mean, if you can come for three hours on Saturday, we want you. All right. Last year, I remember I came and it was a glorious job. I dug for putting plants in the ground. It was great. And um, I'm kidding. We, we cleaned up the yard and, and did some other stuff at another place. So if you can spend any time, bring your kids Bring your kids. I mean, you talk about my kids come every year now. I don't care if they just rake the yard or they do something. It, it teaches them what we're doing. And uh, so be plugged in. Look for more information as time goes on. Mark's going to be passing the cup this morning, literally. Um, if you guys want to give to our Sunday school, uh, please do. We use that to help people in here. We use that in death, uh, certain folks with death family members for flowers and we certainly use it to help the widows and the orphans, and we have a whole list of stuff we've done over the last four or five years. All right, so let me slide this one by you. Ready? Um, I wish I could say, here we grow again, but in this case, it's here we go again. Um, they have asked me and Brian to prepare our class to move again. So um, I haven't gotten the full uh, information yet on where, but it probably will be 
uh, very likely in the other building, um, in, in the A building. And they've moved us up to, uh, Wes is now going to take the 20-year-olds and the 30-year-olds. I know we have 30-somethings in here, but we also have 50-somethings in here. And um, so... I said I was going to try to slide it by, um, but anyway, we will be moving under Paul Hahn, which we're looking forward to. Paul handles the 40s, uh, and, and, and 40s and 50, really 40s, but um, certainly we, we don't card you at the door, um, and I, hey, we have a couple in here that's uh, just turned 30, so um, we certainly welcome uh, anybody who feels led to be here, so Stay tuned for that. I think the change is September, first week in the, uh, September. Um, so if we don't like the room, we're going to ask Miss Janet to pull a string for us. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure it'll be fine. I, I did request that they not put me in an open room uh, where another teacher is teaching within 50 yards of me because I've tried that before. And uh, I do offend, um, um, as y'all saw, with our elderly classes after us uh, sometimes. So I'm hoping that that won't be the case, but we'll see. It's great to see you guys this morning. Turn with me in your Bible. Uh, If you don't mind, let's turn to uh, John chapter 8. And uh, just hold it there. We're going to, this is going to get, this is complicated. I'm going to tell you up front, we got children in here. This morning, some of you, we always have some children in here, which is great. Um, it's a complicated subject. I, 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 I would, would be lying to you. I spent a lot of time uh, in the room yesterday with, where my wife, I'm sure, was saying, it's our twin's birthday, where'd he go? You know, And so it's complicated, and you want to get all this right, and it's very hard. And I don't pretend to know all the answers to this what we're going to study today. I don't. But um, here's what I've titled the lesson. The Attack on the Authoritative Word of God. That's the title. The Attack on the Authoritative Word of God. And I'm going to pick a subject matter and actually, in fact, a question and just follow it through. And we're just going to see where it lands us. It might be two weeks. It might be three weeks. Um, it, it may turn into a, you know, an actual session of, of lessons. Uh, I, I don't know yet. Um, this is an interesting topic, but it's very difficult because it's got science all over it. Okay? And that's always difficult for me because I wasn't the greatest of students in that department. I liked PE. Um, <clears throat> all right. And several of these things I'm going to uh, I'm gonna have to read because I don't want to get them wrong. Um, you ever notice today, we were talking in my care group, Rex's care, Rex and Marty's care group, how today it is accepted by even the majority, I dare say, of Christians that when they're talking about anything uh, such as, let's just say we used it this morning, the mountains. We watch anything on TV that says, these mountains, you know, the announcer comes on with a voice kind of like mine, and they say, these mountains were, were uh, you know, came into existence 200 million years ago. Something simple like that. Or we watch TV sitcoms and we hear things come out of their mouths that, that are just so subtle. 
and they don't offend anymore. They, 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 don't, they don't offend the Christian. Um, the subject matter that we'll be talking about is evolution this morning in some, in some respects, but we're going to work our way back to a question that has to do with evolution. Um, and it seems to me, and maybe it's just me, I don't think it is, that if you're a young creationist, young earth creationist, which I is, right? Uh, that's the way I believe. You may not believe that, but you're entitled to be wrong. Um, I, uh, I side with people like Ken Ham, Ravi Zachariah, you know, so, so on and so forth. All right, so um, I want to talk about the subject matter of what's gotten out of hand and what we've become like the frog. You remember the frog, right? The frog that you catch and put into the pan and you slowly turn up the water, right, Jason? Slowly turning up the water to a little hot, a little hotter, a little hotter, the frog never moves. Frog eventually, what, Mark? Just dies and floats. We are a little bit like the frog. A little bit like the frog. In the fact that slowly, over the years, we have become indoctrinated. You like that word? Our children have become indoctrinated. I've become indoctrinated. You have become indoctrinated to evolution. The teachings of that. I didn't say you believed in evolution. I said you've been indoctrinated with it. So here's what I wrote down. Everything considered normal around us today teaches and concludes that our earth has been around for billions of years. Some would argue millions. Some would argue billions. Okay? And you've heard that all your life, especially the age group of the folks in here. Once upon a time, that would have been an argument. The church would have stood up and said, no, no, no. This is the way we believe. Our schools, for the most part, and I know we have many teachers in here, so hear me well. Our schools, for the most part, teach it. You are considered less educated today if you believe in creation than if you believe in evolution. Less educated. You know what that says to me? Less smart, Andy. Less wise. When, in fact, the Bible says that because we believe what the Bible says, we're more wise. Okay? And I'm going to try to prove my point as time goes on in this lesson over the next few weeks. Our schools teach, for the most part, you are considered less than educated if you think that the world is young. And by young, how many young creationists? How many, how many years? 6,000. Morgan, I'm sorry I didn't see your hand, baby. I would have called you. 6,000 years old, according to the scriptures. Okay? Our TV shows preach millions of years. You notice I said preach. It's subtle. They don't literally set up at a pulpit. And say, here's the indoctrination of evolution. They subtly mention it as fact. Yet it started as theory. Now it's fact. I wrote down somewhere in my notes along the way that some believe that evolution is theory. Some believe it's fact. Watch this one. Some of us believe it's now religion. Now how do you cross that boundary? To me, when you start breaking down the word of God, the inerrancy of the word of God in a subtle way, you've now crossed from fact, which it was never fact in my opinion to begin with, and theory over to an actual full-blown religion. It's kind of scary that our kids, and me included, who remembers the first time you sat in biology class or science class and subtly they started talking about the earth 200 million years ago, the dinosaurs 400 million years ago. Do you remember those moments? 
Do you know, I honestly, and I hope this lesson speaks to you clearly, I honestly didn't get offended by that. And, and someone said it in our care group this morning. I'll tell you why. I didn't know any better, Phil. I didn't know, Greg, how to defend it. And I really didn't know it should have offended me. Does that make sense? I mean, the science teacher was nothing wrong with the science teachers that I had. That's what they had been indoctrinated with. But there was no one there. And Julie said this morning, she was a teacher. And she was uh, propositioned by a young student. Um, my daughter Morgan, who just raised her hand, was taught in the Ken Ham way, if you will, and she raised her little hand and asked her science teacher, how do you know? Were you there? Uh. Um, that's kind of, if you go to the Creation Museum, you'll be taught that. Um, and that kind of can be offensive, but you know what? In Julie's case, she admitted that it pricked her heart, something like that. Do you know that many of them have never, ever studied creation? They never have taken the Bible out and said this book, which by the way, most of them would clearly admit scripture is about theology. It's about spiritual things. But did you know it's the greatest history book of all? It's the only book that's totally truth. And we'll get to that in inerrancy in just a second. It assumed by people, it is assumed by people, but not researched against the one book that the majority of our society, by the way, listen to this, our society, even the non-Christians would tell you for the most part, political correctness, right? They would tell you, if you want to find spiritual matters, research the Bible. They would tell you that. Where they don't lead you is that you can find every answer that you need, a principle or factual things are found in the word of God. I wrote it this way. The majority of our society agrees that this is truth from God himself. But it's real interesting to me. And I, I, I'm hoping I spin this in a way that you may have never heard. Because I hope it, it sparks something in you to go research and read and do your own stuff. That evolution is actually not about the actual evolution itself. It's a theory, right, of how things could have gotten to where they are. But in fact, as we'll cover through this time, Joe, I believe it's a tool of the devil to crack down the, on the inerrancy of the word of God. Now, you may say, well, gosh, that's okay. But how do you disprove this, this, and this? Well, we can go through a disproving period, and I'm going to attempt to do that if I get to it this morning and let you guys poke holes in me, which is kind of scary for me because I don't have all the answers, but I'm trying trying to research and get to where I need to be. But I believe, Joe, that the devil gave a man like Darwin, Charles Darwin, the ideas he had. Everything I read of Darwin, <clears throat> Darwin actually was looking for answers to his faith. He was unwilling, I believe, through his books that I've researched and what I've read, and I don't pretend to be a Darwin expert and you know I didn't read every biography he has, but what I have read about him is his little daughter, Annie, died at a critical time when he was searching for answers to death and life. And when she did, he made up his mind that there was no higher power at that point in time. But he was searching at that point in time, Jason. And you can see how that would have an effect on him. Could it be, and I'm asking you, could it be that the devil could have taken that? And we know that the devil has schemes, Greg. He's constantly scheming. 
We don't want to think about that, but he is. He's constantly scheming. I mean, after all, Joe, in Matthew chapter 5, the devil himself approaches the Son of God, knowing him as the Son of God, knowing that he came from heaven's throne, knowing that at some point he was involved in kicking him and the angels out of heaven, according to the Scripture, and casting him down. But the devil comes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, if you remember, in the wilderness, at Jesus' weakest moment, he had been <clears throat> fasting for how many days? 40 days. He was weak, John. And devil comes to him and he offers him things. He schemes to get Jesus to do something he ought not to do. And of course, Jesus, according to John, is the word of life. Jesus is the word, Jason. So he answers him with the word and he repeals him back three times and then he leaves him until an, another opportunity presents itself. So listen to me well. If the devil schemes against the Lord and Savior, the Son of the living God, God himself, he surely schemes against you and me, Mark. Could it be that he used the weakness that Darwin had at the time and he created this, watch, this twisted, yet some truth, but twisted version, Todd, of a religion called evolution that would be not announced as religion. That would be too open. But something subtle, something a theory that could be taught, but now is accepted widely. Listen to this. John 8, 31 through 32, if you've got your place in your Bible. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, say it with me, and the truth will make you free, right? Set you free. A couple of things on the inerrancy and the infallible word of God before I dive into some of the things you really will be, I think you'll be interested in as we open the study. All scripture, according to 2 Timothy 3.16, you, know you know the verse, all scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. What does that mean? That means that there were sinners like Paul, and there were sinners like Timothy, and there were sinners like Peter, and God breathed the Holy Spirit on them, if you will. The Holy Spirit lived in him as he does me and you. But they were, they were given a task that none of us were given. And that was to write the scriptures, pen the actual words of a living God. Infallible, inerrant according to the scripture. You can't have an, uh, uh, an error with a holy God. And I, and, and, and I, I want to explain that. God's character is reflected in his word. Okay? So, let me give you. We talk about uh, in defending our faith and apologetics, and I don't pretend to be the, the best apologetics person in the world, but we talk about, Phil, iron sharpens iron. That's you and me coming to church together, fellowshipping together. Uh, your, your men's Bible group. Uh, um, what do you call it? Give me the actual name. Accountability group. Iron sharpens iron, correct? We hold each other accountable. Most apologetics people I read after say scripture upholds scripture. For instance, the devil is a liar. Is God a liar? No. God is truth. God is truth. God's character is reflected in his word. So if there's any untruth in the Bible, watch what happens. The question becomes, can God make a mistake? 
No, he's the truth. Now, don't let me lose you here. You might start saying, well, I remember in the Old Testament, God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he gave time to his servant who asked for it. God, if I find just 50. God, if I find just 40. God knew what was going to happen. Read the end of the story. God knew. But he still worked with man. He never changed his mind. Watch this scripture. Does God ever change? There's no need to change when you're truth. Don't let me lose you here, please. This is deep, deep subject. The question becomes, can God make a mistake? You say no, I say no. If the Bible contains errors, then God is not all-knowing. What's the word for that, folks? Omniscient. God is not all-knowing, but the Bible, watch the scripture. God is all-knowing. God is everywhere. Y'all follow me? God would be the author of confusion if there was one untruth in here, John. Because he said he's truth. But if we find one untruth, if that's such a word, if we find one false thing in here that God tells us, then God becomes not a truth bearer and not the truth. He becomes a liar. Who's the author of confusion? Scripture says. Satan. Wow. Now, when I hear that, I start thinking about this. And I, I, I hope y'all have never heard anything like this. I hope it's not a bad thing. I hope it's a good thing. Um, could it be that if God's not the author of confusion, and right now you're going, hmm, the old Arsenio Hall statement, right? Could it be that the reason it's a confusing subject is because it's a confusing author that's put out the theory of evolution? As an example, God says in Genesis 3, excuse me, Genesis 2, Joe, you shall eat of all the trees of the garden, folks, Adam and Eve, except for of this one you shall not eat, lest you surely die. Chapter 3, Satan comes on the scene. By the way, this is not his first introduction. He's already been thrown out of heaven. We have to read. It's just because it's first in your Bible doesn't mean it's first date time, right? <clears throat> Yes, it's a great point. Chapter 3, watch this. Satan uses the same exact words, yet he adds one word. You shall not surely die. Then he twists it again and says, Adam and Eve, can you eat, can you not eat of all this that you see? You're not supposed to eat of all this. Let me get this right. He's conversating with them. But listen, he's trapping them. He is setting up the question so that they will figure the answer out. And the answer will be wrong based on what God's already told them. God's already said you can eat of any tree except for this one. Flip to Genesis chapter 3. You don't believe me, do you? 
Genesis chapter 3. Very simple. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And of course, that entered into a conversation. Of course, the scripture, if we look at scripture with scripture, tells us to flee the devil and he will leave us alone, so to speak, for a while. Okay? So where am I going with this? Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're not careful, if our children are not careful, and they let just the slightest of question marks into the Scripture, the inerrant Word of God, if we're not careful, Andy, we begin to pick and choose what we believe. And no longer is God's Word inerrant in our minds. We've now made it a human choice, humanism. We've begun to say, yeah, well, religion's good, and I like this, what God says we're going to heaven. But watch this. It's going on in our churches everywhere. But we're not going to talk about hell. And we're not going to talk about the blood because that's offensive to some people. God forbid. God forbid that should happen. You know, the same thing has happened with evolution. I actually once upon a time sat and didn't even know what I believed, but I actually would give in way if a man or a woman would have stood up and they would have taught me that there was a biblical type of evolution. I would have given way to it because I had been indoctrinated with how did caveman and how did dinosaurs and how did, you know, all the questions. Instead of going to the Word of God, the inerrant Word of God, and believing if put together properly that the earth is 6,000 years old, I would have given way to that. Would you or have you or are you today? That's the question. So where is the place you and I should go to find the truth? The Bible. Come on. The Bible. Where do we go to find answers of the beginning and the ending questions? The Bible. The Bible. If I was in an African-American church this morning, they would have all said the Bible. <laughs> I like teaching because they stay, stay focused. and I'm trying to get you guys to stay focused here. All right. I don't want to bore you. Yet I have found in my lifetime the schemes of the devil have camouflaged the real answers that the Bible houses. Instead, people form, watch this dangerous word, opinions. Well, here's what I say uh, to a non-believer friend. Well, I believe such and such. <laughs> well, what I want to say and not be a smart aleck is, Joe, I, you know, I really don't care what you believe. Here's what the Bible says. That's what we should be saying. But what we do in political correctness is we say, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. It's interesting. It's really not interesting. It's stupid. But it's, you don't know any better as a non-believer or as a Christian that's not been schooled in the right foundations. And so opinions become life experiences like Darwin had. Y'all with me still? Darwin has this experience. He's searching for faith. And just at the right time, just imagine that. Someone with a brilliant mind like Darwin had. The devil comes in and gives him an answer, and he takes it. And life circumstances say death is part of everything. Death will always be, but the scripture says death is not going to always be. If you look at the timeline that I have right here, and I didn't fill it all out, and for the sake of time, I won't. Here's the creation account according to the scripture. 
Most Christians, theologians would, would agree. Here's the creation account, which is the beginning. God's timeline does not have a beginning, right, Tina? It's just, just continual. He is the beginning. He is the end. Don't try to figure that out. You'll never figure it out. I've tried. Um, creation account. Sin comes on the scene very quickly. God knew that would happen, but it comes on the scene. It ruins, if you will, the creation account and what God had planned for us, which we will, by the way, one day have in heaven again. But it took his son, his one and only son, to do that. So we come in and sin enters and everything changes. Death becomes a fact. Death becomes a part of life. And see, some of our weak, uh, how do I say this? Johnny, Johnny would just say it, but uh, uh, some of our weak liberal colleges and liberal preachers and theologians would say that sin entered and that the death that the Bible talks about is actually just a spiritual death. But we know if we study that that's not true. Ladies, it's called the wrinkles on your face. We begin to die as soon as we are born. Isn't that sad? God did not intend that, but that's the punishment. I wrote down in bold letters in my notes somewhere, the consequences are not this. The consequences are, why would a God be so cruel to let us come here, Mark, and to let us face death? God had nothing to do with it. You and I chose. And you might say, no, 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 no. I got you on that, Jeff. Adam and Eve chose. Matter of fact, Eve, let me tell you. But you know what? You were given the same opportunity that Adam and Eve were. You, at a ripe age of four, five, seven, depending, dad said, mom said, don't put your hand in the cookie jar. What'd you do? You know why? That's a good point. It's a good point. When you were told to be obedient, you said no at some point. So sin enters the world and death is here. But interesting in Revelations, Joe, you remember the scripture? I think it's found in Revelations 21 or 23. And I have it here. I can give it to you if you need it. No more tears. No more death. No more pain for all the former things, Andy, have what? Passed away. Death is temporal in God's plan. But Darwin said in his statements of faith, so to speak, that death was part of life's experience forever, and it would never change. Remember, I'm going to read you his belief as we hopefully don't have to close right away, but I want to read you what he, matter of fact, let me just read it now while I'm talking about it. Darwinism. A theory of biological evolution developed by Charles Darwin. See, he's already lost me. That biological thing, Mark, I'm a PE guy. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> a theory of biological evolution developed by Charles Darwin and others stating that all species of organisms arise and develop through the natural selection process called the evolution of life. So, the very definition that Darwin comes up with requires... Life and death of many generations. In other words, the rise to where we are today. Let me give you some of that. Uh, we go to the moon. Okay? The caveman didn't go to the moon, if there was a caveman. We develop things like iPads that some of you have. The rise 
The development required death. We get better and better through elimination and through years and years, and Darwin believed subtle, 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 subtle changes over thousands of years eventually ended where we are today. But the Bible doesn't say that. His famous book is called Origin of Species, and it was read and highly acclaimed by evolutionists. And, of course, some people have gone on to do different segments of that and have different statements and stuff like that. The attack on the authoritative word of God, it started at the garden in Genesis 3 with Satan questioning the word. Matter of fact, it may be, as Brian said, you actually might be able to go back and say it started when the devil in his mind said, I want what God has. And you know what? I'm pretty enough to get it. Did you know if you study Lucifer, he was a beautiful angel. He had, most people believe, vocal cords if you read about his creation or uh, read about his physical appearance, he, he had stones and, and he had temporals, I believe, is what the Bible uses. And so most people believe that he could sing and things of this nature. Artistic. It started at the garden. It never stopped and won't until Satan's final judgment. So what do I want to do here? Here's what I want to do. I want to give you a test a question i want to put this to the test i want to work through the test question in order to believe in darwin's theory in the evolution of life theory one must conclude the necessity of millions of years y'all with me you must believe that or you can't believe in the rise that he talked about okay millions of years In other words, to get where we are today, to believe in evolution of life, the existence of the earth, millions of years, if not billions, are necessary to prove the theory accurate. Development, biologically, takes a long time, as we simple folks would say. In another way, life and death, suffering and disease over millions of years led to man's emergence, which the Bible teaches opposite. Noah ended up where he was because man got more sinful and more sinful and more sinful. And oh, by the way, since Noah's little trip he took for a year in the boat, man has become more sinful, more sinful, more sinful. And that's why the second coming of Christ is due and is hopefully at hand sometime soon. Okay, here's the key question I want you to write down or in your mind's eye if you would like. Was there death? Before Adam sinned. Was there death before Adam sinned? Remember, you've already got an insight. What does scripture say? Give it to me. There was no death before Adam sinned, someone said. What scripture says that? Anybody? You don't have to know exactly where it's at. Just tell me the word. I mean, you know, in the, beginning. in the beginning, God created. Okay. What else? Come on, speak up. Romans three twenty three. For the wages of sin is death. Okay. What's that? All right. Smart Alec. All right. What else? What else? Nobody? God himself said if they ate of the tree, they were going to die. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. Evolution. Okay. Keep going. Think evolution. Theory. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's clarify. Good question. Scripturally. All right. We're going through apologetics. Y'all stay with me. You're stuck at the water cooler with Joe the professor. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Listen. He, he studied and he's got five magical questions. And by the way, one of them is going to include the fossil record. So just get ready. What am I discussing with you as far as death is concerned? It is not plants. It is not organisms. Although that is a good way of thinking and where a lot of people would go. What was created in higher order? Man. Animals were special too. God breathed into man and animals also had breath, right? Y'all agree with me? Mammals. So let's talk and let's focus on those. Oh, I got to go. All right. <clears throat> let, me, let me read a couple things to you and we'll close and, and, and pick back up on this next time. Here's the key question. And you'll see where I'm going at the end of all this. You'll kind of, okay. I'm just picking one question. Was there death before Adam's sin? See, we can answer that logically by no, there was not because the scripture said so. Okay, we can say that. But see, that's not good enough for most people that you talk to. They want to touch it and feel it. Faith is not in their vocabulary, if you will. They know what faith is, but they want to touch it and feel it. I think there's enough in the scripture to prove to a person who's open-minded. However, if I give each of you a private test where no one could cheat, no one could use another person's opinion, and you were honest with yourself, you may struggle to answer these same kind of questions. As if, and we're going to come back to our main question. Number one, did God create in six literal days? Six literal days. Yes. Scripture says so. You say, nah, now come on, Jeff. Now, it, scripture doesn't say it went in, at 10 a.m. God created algae and at 11. He, no, it doesn't say that. But the words, the literacy, as you study it, says this. Over and over and over again, the word yom, Y-O-M, is used. Okay, this is just an example, right? Yom, if you define it in the Hebrew and you look everything up, means light and dark. It means, in some places in the scripture and in word study, it means, in the thesauruses of the world, it means, Joe, daylight and night light, okay, or lack of light, or morning and evening. Did you know in the Genesis account that word is used over and over and over again, leading me to squash out the used, overused, way overused, which you've heard, and by the way, I bet many of you have used it. A day is as a thousand years, and now we say million or billion, because really it didn't have a definition. It just meant lots of stuff. You know, it meant that God's days aren't as our days. I didn't say it didn't mean that, but in the Genesis account, according to literacy, if you study the words that mean something to God, he used 
day and night, light and dark, six literal days. So if you get there, animals and man were created on day six. Day six. Now we're getting some interesting territory. Did God use the evolutionary process to form the earth, to form animals, humans, within the context of something we call, this is a made-up word, by the way, this is a Jeffism, biblical evolution. You want to know the technical word for that? Okay, I'll give it to you. Progressive creation, intelligent design, what your, what your students are being told today. See, that's a half-truth. Watch me. That's a Christian that is looking to fit evolution into Christianity into the biblical account when there's no room for it. And you may say, but Jeff, the facts are when you study the earth that they can prove by the measurements of the rocks and the fossil record and all that that these millions of years. I would say this. I can say this to you. The problem is they didn't start with this. If you start with this, then you can build your conclusions differently. They started with the fossil record and built their time measurements based on the fossil record. Case in point, you want one as we close? In our lifetime, how many of you were alive in, this is scary, in 1980? Most of you. What explosion took place around 1980? Mount St. Helen blows up, blows a gasket. Doesn't happen very often. In our lifetime, maybe only a few times. In the United States, did you know that if you take the aging of around Mount St. Helens, there are 100 feet drops into the canyon. 100 feet, not 10, 100. If you measure those, David, with the same exact measurements, you would come to the conclusion, and this is what got science baffled, started scratching their heads, that that had been around for hundreds of thousands of years. Oops. We saw it take place, Todd. We saw it on TV. I saw it when I was in school. I remember it. The volcano ash and everything flooding, just tearing everything in its way out of the way. It dug out trenches. So when you start with this and you say, well, what in the world formed the Grand Canyon? And they say, well, it's clearly, you know, 3.45 billion years ago, this is what happened, and an asteroid hit the Earth and scared out, you know, and all this stuff. When in reality, if you start with this, one could conclude that there could have been a bigger volcano. I'm just, by the way, this is not fact here. I'm just saying there could have been one that did the exact same thing there. There could have been an Ice Age glacier that came along, but it wasn't 4 million years ago. It was probably 3,500 to 4,000 years ago because the Ice Age came after the flood, according to the Scripture. <laughs> All right? All right, I got to dismiss. I'll give you the rest of the questions. We'll close. Did God use evolutionary process to form the earth, animals, humans, within the context of something we call biblical ed- evolution? By the way, the answer is no. If you find the fossil record, you will find that they have actual fossils that were eating and killing carnivores. They were eating other dinosaurs, eating... When something tragic happened, it buried them, and the thing had another dinosaur in their mouth. Y'all follow me? They were killing. If you believe the Scriptures, watch. Sin came first, not death. So if man didn't come and didn't live with dinosaurs, how could death be here? We've got a, we've got a quandary on our hands, right? Right. 
Did man live with dinosaurs? Ooh, that's an interesting one we'll get last time. Did the Ice Age kill off dinosaurs? And then man came along, not according to Scripture. If not, what killed dinosaurs off? Was there a global flood? Father, thank you for a few minutes of confusion with my people. God, I pray that I would get this right and uh, maybe it would open someone's eyes to get hungry to study. Thank you for the people that have gone before me that have pointed these out because without them, Lord, I wouldn't find these answers. I'm not near smart enough, but I hope that I can translate what I've learned with excitement and passion that we would believe in what you say. The inerrant word of God is under attack and we don't even realize it. God, help us to stand up. Help us to be defenders of our faith and apologetics would come a part of our life. As you said, we should be willing and able and ready, as you said in 1 Peter 3, I believe it was, to give an account of our faith, defend our faith. God bless these people. Help us to be the church scattered today in Jesus' name. Amen.